This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where certain things are fixed, the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap, while everything else is just a matter of perspective. So, Colin, tell us about what you're drinking tonight. Yeah, so we have come into my favorite season for beer. It is truly the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah. <laughs> so I am uh, drinking a lovely Oktoberfest. Which one? Uh, I think this is the the Shiner one. This is my favorite one. A lot of Oktoberfest for me get really sweet. Yeah. I feel like this is just a good kind of bold Oktoberfest. Yeah, one of my favorite Oktoberfests is the the St. Arnold's. But very local to Houston, which is probably why I love it. Oh, yeah. I'm drinking a Kentucky bourbon barrel aged ale. Um, I love bourbon barrel aged beers. I know not everybody does, but... Yeah, I'm not a huge fan. Yeah, I know. I love them. So let's uh, start this off with some nice cheers. cheers. Mm. Mm. So good. Yeah, it is. You get that those real caramel notes from the bourbon oh, yeah. barrel. Get a little bit of that barrel tan into it. Good so beer, good. good conversation. Yeah, man. So <clears throat> talk to us a little bit about where this podcast is going. You're the one with the theology degrees. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um and as they sit over there wrapped in dust. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess they're good for something. Uh, yeah, so most people, I think, know me as a preacher. That's really what I love to do. Sure. I love um, vocal storytelling. I love preaching. But a second passion of mine, close behind it, and, and maybe my first passion was theology. Right. Specifically, early church patristic theology. So kind of within that Trinitarian thought too, a little bit, huh? Yeah, a little bit. My, my focus was more in soteriology. So study of salvation. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it had some Trinitarian notes to it. I was studying the same time period as people were really trying to begin to develop the, the doctrine of the Trinity. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so yeah, my, my kind of, my go-to guy is in the two hundreds and so then we have Council of Nicaea in 330. So right around that same time, a lot of contemporary stuff going on, people working out those doctrines. But yeah, yeah so I think for, for what we want to do here is church has kind of become a place where we have a doctrine or we have a statement of faith, but we really don't do a good job teaching the theology of it. Right. And I think there are there are elements where theology is necessary. Right. Theology is necessary. Absolutely. We need to have a study of God. We need to have an sure. understanding of God. Absolutely. But to some extent, all those things don't always translate into what does it mean to be a Christian. Right. Uh, and so I've always felt this kind of struggle between what's the venue for a church to talk about theology and teach right. theology because how, how many times do you hear like you go to church and you hear somebody teach a deeply theological message and people go, man, I just like, I don't know. Like that was way over my head. I'm not real sure what's happening here. I, I've heard people say lots of times like that felt like a lecture in grad school. Yeah. 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 And and you also hear some pastors pride themselves. Like right. my, my, my people, my congregants, have the education they've received the education yeah. for me the seminary graduate would have uh, yeah um I've, I've been in lots of churches where um 
people will know theological arguments, right? And, and they will know how to, how to combat certain theological arguments that isn't what the pastor teaches, right? Um, and, and, you know, that, that, that's all well and good, but, you know, that's not what the church is. But there is a place for that in the church, and that's where this podcast comes in, right? Yeah, I think so. It's, it's important to have theological understanding and doctrine, um, but I don't know if it's the most important thing. Right. Because um, it's one thing to be able to spout off homoousias and know <laughs> deep theological words about the Trinity. Yeah. But do you know how to love someone? Right. Do you know how to care for the vulnerable? Do you know how right. to be Jesus to people? Sure. For me, that's far more important than... Absolutely it is. Uh, you knowing deep theological truths. And the reason that, you know, people are going to ask, well, why are you guys drinking beer? Right? Like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense that you're just having a conversation about theology and drinking beer. First but, of all, it rhymed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. So that is an important part that it did rhyme. Um, we were already kind of thinking about this idea yeah. and then we had a list of things and pints and perspectives rhyme <laughs> we had a whole lot of ideas though yeah, and all did. the good ones all the real good ones were already taken yeah like theology on tap yeah was so awesome good. man it was already taken it's awesome so to the theology on tap people kudos absolutely you did a great job you guys are on it <laughs> yeah. but yeah so we're we're drinking beer because so often people have these conversations about theology and not to be crass, but like they get their panties in a wad. Yeah. They do. And like <laughs> maybe let's just sit back, let's chill, let's have a beer yeah. and let's talk about theology. Let's have a pub room conversation about sure. theology because here's the thing. If, if I, if you were married, which you're not, but if, if you were married, yeah, <laughs> just wait, bro, just wait. Uh, marriage is great and the worst all at the same time. <laughs> there are moments where it's surreal and there are moments where you're just like, dude, I'm over this. Yeah. Uh, I love you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for all the single men and ladies out there. I don't have one of these, and if you don't either, that's fine. Embrace the singleness. Yes. <laughs> singleness unite. <laughs> yeah. So, but if if you were married, and I came to you in a panic, and I said, hey, your spouse is over in the corner in 30,000 pieces. Yeah. How would you feel? You'd be pretty distraught. Yeah. Right? Of course. In, in scripture, the church is called the bride of Christ. Yeah. And we fractured her into 30,000 pieces because what's happened is we've taken non-essential doctrines and and we've made them essential. So what, what what do I mean by that? Well, I can think of one expression of faith that I was a part of at one time and someone stood from the pulpit doing a series on uh, heaven or heaven and hell or heaven and paradise. I can't remember what quirky way he called it, but something along those lines, eternal life, the afterlife kind of thing. And they said, if you don't believe in the rapture, Mm. 
you can't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. It's like, um, okay, so for all of our listeners that don't know, the rapture is a belief only in America. Yeah. And specifically a pretty late one. Yeah. Uh, late want, 19th, early 20th century. Yeah, I want to remind our listeners that um, probably someone we will refer to a lot, um, but Tom Wright is um, kind of widely known as like just really good oh he's the guy like he is the one he's the man like everything that he says is gold almost right like yeah um, i I can't say everything because that's why i added the almost yeah he's Um, not jesus but right that's why i added darn close that's why i added the almost um he himself does not believe in the rapture yeah Um, so uh, and if you go to search him on Google, it's actually Nicholas Thomas Wright, so right. N.T. Wright. Yeah. But my, what do you call him? So it's not a doctor father because I'm not a doctor yet. What do you call a master's super? My supervisor of my master's thesis was a student of N.T. Wright, and I had the privilege of meeting him on multiple occasions. And so I take the... Liberty of calling him Tom. Uh, he has no idea who I am, but I love him. <laughs> yeah, he's good. I own too many of his books, actually, at this point. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm pretty sure I bought his house. <laughs> many books that I have of him. Um, anyways, so we're going to dive into, in, into a lot of doctrine on this podcast. Yeah, so, and and it, it can very easily become overwhelming or, or feel like it's a lot. It's really weighty or heavy. Mm-hmm. We don't want it to feel that way. So we cracked open a few beers and we wanted to have a pub conversation. Right. And I wanted to start with this idea about essentials and non-essentials. Yeah. Because that's, that's really, we're calling it pints and perspectives because... To some extent, there's a lot of fluidity in theology. Absolutely, there is. There are some things that are fixed, but there are also some things that really can move and and change and adapt. I mean, we've seen some changes. Yeah. There's some when some new literature comes out, we we can see deeper into the mind of some people, right? Yeah. So when we when we discovered the Qumran, the Dead Sea Scrolls, right, like that that shed a whole lot of light on the ancient world. Yeah, specifically the Essene community. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, the Essenes are mentioned a few times in the Gospels. Where, where at, and do you have a general idea of region? So, so they're they're Essenes, they're scribes. Okay. So okay. they're like Pharisees or Herodians or Sadducees. Okay. Um, they're just a, a, a particular strain of Judaism. So okay. that's a, that's another thing that people forget is when when they, you know, because there are some people like Matthew, like he just calls them the Jews. Oh, okay. And it's like, well, bro, that's not, that's a little bit misleading. <laughs> you're, you're kind of being funny there. Uh, not all Jews are the same. Right. Uh, some people thought, you know, that Messiah was going to be different. Right. You know, they, they all kind of had these core fundamentals, monotheism, one true God, uh, Messiah of some capacity. But, but just like in anything, you have conservatives and liberals. Right. So you have a, a sliding scale within Judaism. And so the Essenes are a very apocalyptic kind of expression of Judaism. Yeah. And so like, so when we find the Qumran community and we, we discover the Dead Sea Scrolls, like that sheds a whole lot of light on the ancient world. 
And so we're calling it Pints and Perspectives because there are some things that are fixed, but there's some things that can move. Right. And so the way that I refer to these is essentials and non-essentials. Right. So there are some essential things that are required to be a Christian. Believing in the resurrection of Jesus is one of those. First Corinthians 15. Yeah. Right? Like just fundamentally. The rapture, not one. Yeah. So in that particular church that I was in, when they put believing in the rapture on the same level as the resurrection, I very politely and abruptly excused myself <laughs> from that congregation. Yeah, and, and that's a, a really good point that we need to make right now, is that if you disagree with someone's theology, do not shame them for it. Nope. They, they're they not necessarily wrong unless it's just deeply heretical, which yeah. we're going to talk about essential theology, right? Essential doctrine. Yeah. And it, it, if what they're saying is not, it is not essential. If it is non-essential, do not shame them for it, please. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not worth it. I mean, because that's where we get the church splits that we've Yeah. That's where we years. get the fracturing, which is, which is a problem. I don't, I don't think if I can just be honest and maybe this is the idealist in me, but I don't know that Jesus is looking down super pleased with the way we fractured the church. Absolutely not. Now, I think there are some reasons that that has happened. Yeah. I think me, that, that are it, vital and yeah. like they're important that those have happened that way. But I don't know that Jesus is super pleased with how that happened. I mean, no. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, you're the rock of the church. Yeah. He, he calls him Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> like upon this rock, Rocky, which if you don't know, Peter means rock. We should just start referring to the Peter rock. as the squirrel, as the squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he's the rock. I mean, yeah. like Dwayne Johnson is recorded yeah. in the Bible. Yeah. I mean, he looks at Peter and calls him Rocky. He says, upon this rock, I will build my church. And so, okay, so Jesus is intending that one expression of faith come out of this. And we've fractured it into what it, the shambles that it is today. Yeah. And so I think for us, what we want to do, and this is why at Wellhouse Church, we have made our statement of faith very minimal. We've made our statement of faith the essentials of faith. And so if you don't know, uh, in just a few minutes, let me tell you a bit of patristic history. So Jesus dies in about the year 30. And very quickly, he develops this following. Right. Um, almost instantaneously, he develops this following of people that begin to worship him as God. Uh which is incredible, oh, by it, the way. It, it's a it's unheard of at that time. Attestation to yeah. who he was. Absolutely. It, it if if the resurrection alone is not proof enough, the way his followers responded, incredible. It, it's just it's it's unheard of. And so, but as you might imagine, very quickly we begin to see different recordings of Jesus. I mean, Jesus is a polarizing figure in the oh, ancient yeah. world. Um, and so very quickly, these other ideas about him show up. I mean, we, for people that didn't go spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on theological education, <laughs> they might not know that there are other gospels about Jesus that are not recorded in the Bible. Yeah. So cue the gospel to the Hebrews, 
the infancy gospel of Thomas, the gospel of Thomas, the gospel of Peter, right? There are all these other gospels about Jesus that didn't make it into the, the, the canon. Yeah. So the canon, the, the canonized, the accepted books of the new Testament, which they established at the council of Nicaea, correct? Uh, no. So I think that one's Chalcedon. Okay. Yeah. So that's four four fifty one. Okay. Um, but anyways, there are all these other gospels and they didn't make it in not because they're not gospels. They're absolutely gospels as gospels of literature. Right. But they're also heretical. Right. They, they talk about Jesus in, in ways that are not in line with Christian right. doctrine. And so, and excuse I, me, there think, are two, go ahead. I think it's important actually to, to note that it's debated who actually wrote some of these books. Yeah. So, so when we talk about the gospel of Peter and the gospel of Thomas, we don't actually know if they wrote them. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's true with our own gospels. That's too. true. That's true yeah. with most of our new Testament writings. I mean, uh, more than 50% of people don't think that Paul wrote first, second Timothy and Titus. Yeah. Um, and and there's, um, there's pretty good reason to think that, I mean, honestly, when I look at the arguments, I kind of tend to side with them. The only thing that keeps me with the idea that Paul wrote them is church tradition. Now, truth is, I understand the subjectivity in that. Yeah. Because church tradition also says that Paul wrote Hebrews, and, and I ain't that's buying just it. not I ain't true. Buying it. I'm sorry. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm not unconvinced that a woman didn't write Hebrews. I I really like that argument, but <laughs> yeah. So, what is essential faith? Back back to the story of patristic theology. So, as people begin to write these other gospels about Jesus, these other forms of Christianity begin to rise up, and and probably just like you would have zealots or these other people, more radicalized forms, like just a lot of different things happen yeah. in the ancient world. And what ends up happening is you get a bunch of guys, a guy named Nestorius, a guy named um, uh, Arius, right? You get a lot of these different guys coming up and teaching these different things. And, and Arius or Arianism is the one that really, the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. And so... Uh, a council of church fathers, uh, a council of theologians get together at the council of Nicaea and they write what's called the Nicene creed. And it's probably the most important creed throughout Christendom. Yeah, I think I would agree. Um, Um, I would say that um, the apostles creed is a really close second yeah, so it should be told the Apostles' Creed might be the most because it's written first. It technically it was written first, and it's um, the foundation of the Nicene Creed, right? Um, so by that logic, you do kind of have to say that it's the most important. But um, just because it's first doesn't mean it's best, right? That's true. Yeah. Um, new is not always better. <laughs> like no, new is not always better. I promise you, this beer is not new. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but what, what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is that one is not more important than the other. No, um, they're saying the same things. I think Nicaea develops a few things out that the yeah. Apostles' Creed is missing. But they, for all intents and purposes, they establish essential Christianity. Yeah. 
And that's why we've made them our statement of faith at Wallhouse Church. Right. Because we want to be a place that we want the essentials to matter. Right. And the non-essentials to be debated over a beer. Yeah. And, and, and if you're not familiar with, with these creeds, don't don't fret. Right. We're, we're going to go through them piece by piece, correct? Yeah. So the next um, six weeks or so, we're going to break down these creeds piece by piece, verse by verse, exposit yeah. them like we would scripture. Which I'm really excited for. Yeah. So have you ever done that? Uh, I've read them probably countless times, but I've never like really broken them down. Like, okay. And, and f- like dissected the scripture in it. Um, yeah. Just because like whenever I read it, like my mind goes like, okay, the, it says it in this general area, right? But I never go back and like refer to the actual scripture. Yeah. Well, it's hard too because we, you know, growing up fundamentalist Baptist, yeah. uh, Baptists in general are not creedal. No. And that means we don't recite the creeds. Yeah. A lot of high church traditions recite creeds. Yeah. And so that can be good and bad. A lot sure. of times the creeds can become just some mon- level of monotony that you do every week. Yeah. Uh, but to other people, they're really impactful. Yeah. Grounding people in a faith. Uh, and so just very quickly, what, what do creeds, what do they say? They just make a statement to who we are, right? As a, as a yeah. body, as a community, right? As, as a group. Yeah. At some, at some level, if, if I could summarize the creeds in, in just a few statements, but what is essential faith according to the creeds? At some level, believing that God created the earth. At, yeah. at some level, and maybe a better way to say this is that God was the cause of creation. That he was the facilitator. Yeah, maybe not even facilitator, but okay. cause. He he sets it in motion. Okay. Whether you want to do evolution, Big Bang, uh, true young earth creation, like what whatever expression you want to do. like. And what do you mean by young earth creation? Explain so that would be like a true literal seven- Days, sunrise, sunsets, God okay. creates the earth. Yeah. Which I, I did, the sun's not made till day two or day <laughs> one. Like, I, I just don't get it. Does it does kind of fall apart on itself. Yeah. It, it really it doesn't stand under its own weight. But yeah. So that would be like a, a young earth. Um, uh, and so, yeah. So at some level, God had to be the cause of creation. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus. Is both fully God and fully man. Right. Majority of the creed is dedicated to that very thing. Yeah. Arianism was a lowering of the status of Jesus's divinity. So for for the the listeners, um, and actually myself, I guess I don't really know the answer to this question. Is there a difference between what you're calling Arianism? And what we know as Arianism in reference to to racism. Um, yes. Okay. okay. So explain fair. that difference. Yeah. So Arianism is in the way that I'm talking about it is uh, an ancient Christological so right. study of Christ, understanding about the person of Jesus, who Jesus was. Okay. Uh, he was a third century heretic. He's the heretic that the council of Nicaea actually forms to combat. Okay. Is and his name's actually Arius. Okay. Um Arianism like you're talking about is modern day 
Nazi. Like it's terrible. Yeah. (laughs) Like it. I do think that that's an important distinction to be made. And if you're like hanging out with your friends, yeah, <laughs> like, like a dinner party, yeah. like <laughs> maybe don't talk about Arianism in that way. Like, or if you do give a really deep explanation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a fair point. Thanks for bringing that up. I actually hadn't thought about that, yeah. uh, that comparison, but so yeah, believing that Jesus is fully God and fully man, believing that he died on the cross, according to God's plan. That, Absolutely. That's vital. I think the Bible project does a great job of showing yes, the, the tree of life kind of motif shows up and it's important that Jesus died on the cross. He died on a tree. Yeah. It's actually important to yeah. the overall biblical narrative. It's great that he resurrected. Yeah. Like at some point you got to believe that he was resurrected. Yeah. First uh, Corinthians 15, like dude, if it ain't for the resurrection, we ain't here. Yeah. If not for the resurrection, Wellhouse Church does not exist because how can someone offer life when they were defeated by death? That's right. Jesus conquered death. Like you must believe that. So yeah. true earlier in another podcast we recorded, we were talking about liberal Protestantism. Yeah. Liberal Protestants didn't believe in miracles. So the liberal Protestantism is uh, kind of deism to its right. logical conclusion, mm-hmm. which for any of you who are listening that don't know what deism is, Deism is the idea that God is uh, uber transcendent mm-hmm. and that he's removed from the world. He's, you know, the, the stereotype, and it's, it's, it is a stereotype, it's an it's a oversimplification, but that God's a clockmaker and the world's been set in motion and he just right. stands outside of it. Right. Uh, so he doesn't actually intervene. That, that is a, a real overgeneralization. Yeah, but, but it's the easiest metaphor I can come up it, with. It is. Um, and it's kind of the metaphor that stood the test of time. But we'll talk about deism on here at yeah. some point because I think Eventually. Most, most Christians today are deists and they just don't know it. Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of Christians are for sure. I think most. You would say most? I mean, Southern Baptists are the largest denomination in the world or Protestant denomination in the world. And I really don't think that they believe in miracles. They might say in practice that they do, but... Well, they believe in miracles at the time when Jesus existed, but yeah, they don't believe yeah. that it exists today. Yeah, so... So, anyways, yeah, so you got to believe that Jesus was resurrected. Yeah. you got to believe that he ascended into heaven and is returning again. You can believe in a rapture. You can believe in a, in a, a return, whatever. you got to believe at some level he's returning again. And lastly, at some level, you've got to believe that he is returning to make all things new. Absolutely. Revelation 21 and 22. Like, you've got to believe that he's coming again to right the wrong in the world. I promise you Jesus is not letting us just sit here on this earth and never planning to come home like, like or come back. Right. That's right. He's, he's not letting us flounder. Yeah, and we'll talk about this, but... Really, your eschatology, your your study of the last things, right. needs to match your protology, your right. study of the first things. And God and, made, God gave us a pretty good picture of what the end's going to look like when yeah. He told us the story of Genesis one and two. And again, um, those do not translate to your thoughts on salvation either. No, no yeah, not at all. <laughs> like, like the story that Cullen just talked about, you know, with with that pastor that um, said that you can't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. If you don't believe in, in in the rapture, I'm sorry, but your your eschatology or your protology do not relate to your soteriology. Yeah, you're, um, they're just wrong. We're 
we need to be doing biblical theology. Yes. Whereas people are trying to do systematic theology. And like they both have their place. Absolutely they do. But to some extent, like if the story just think about how we tell stories. The Bible's a big story. If if the the end of the story doesn't meet the tension built in the beginning, no. which that's what Genesis three is. It's building, it's setting the tension for the story that the Bible tells. That's about the time that the villain is introduced. Yeah, like yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In, in the in the book or in the movie. Like it's it's the rise to the climax. Yeah. Which to some extent Jesus is the climax to the story. Jesus is the the the, the crux. He's the Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So we just look at these and we go, okay, the end needs to match. It needs to resolve the tension created in the beginning. Yeah. Well, a lot of our expressions don't resolve the tension. Right. It's almost like God set something in motion and it was like, okay, scrap that. Let's yeah. do something new. Right. No, that's not how we tell stories. That's not what the Bible's doing. We need we need to look at the Bible holistically rather than piecemeal it apart for Absolutely. for its parts. I mean, the sum of its parts are greater than the sum of its parts. I know that everyone has heard the term cherry picking. Right? Oh yeah, and you cannot do that with scripture. Right? Yeah, and, and this but is something yet we all do it. We all do it, and this is something that I think that the Bible Project has done very well. Right, is looking at the the Bible holistically and looking at the themes of scripture and, and breaking down how we read um, th- these themes, right, and how yeah. we connect them to the other things as well. Yeah, uh, for sure. So I think for for me that that would be the essentials of faith and. Yeah. And I think that's important because we're going to break down the creeds, mm-hmm. but we're going to sit back and have a beer and we're going to talk about a whole lot of things. Yeah. Um, we're going to, I'm excited. I have my longtime friend and supervisor of my master's thesis coming on in a few weeks to talk about the kingdom of God. And I'm really looking forward to that. Um, We've got some great ideas for us to talk about salvation and the different expressions of salvation, right? I mean, everybody knows the classic argument of Calvinism and Arminianism. If you're familiar with uh, with fair with systematic theology, specifically, almost yeah. Um, I mean, it's well, maybe it goes even a, a little bit more general. Yeah, I think right? if you were going to do if you were going to turn Calvinism into a systematic theology, it would be determinism, right? So maybe maybe not to that level okay but um yeah i think if if you're if you've been around church for a while and more specifically if you've been around church conflict yeah fundamentalism and and the church conflict so we're going to use these terms on this podcast fundamentalism conservatism (laughs) moderatism and liberalism yeah we need to talk about that and and (laughs) (laughs) yeah and here here's what i don't mean okay what i don't mean is when i call someone a fundamentalist I don't mean that I'm just like dog tired of their expression. <laughs> He's that's, not saying that they have crappy theology. Yeah, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. Even if I believe that, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> if I call someone conservatism, I'm not just talking, I'm not just identifying them based on whether yeah. they're to the right of me. Right. If I call someone a moderate, I'm not saying that they don't know just, what they believe. <laughs> yeah. Or they're just almost liberal. Yeah. And if I call someone a liberal, I'm not just saying anyone who's left of me. Right. Like I have categories for who those people are and, and their expressions. When we use these terms, it, just to summarize what Cullen just said, when we use these terms, it, it's not meant to be derogatory. Yeah, it's, it's not, not a pejorative. pejorative. It's not a pejorative. Um, so I, I, 
just keep that in mind and maybe this is a bit of a trigger warning like i don't know yeah look we're here to have a pub room conversation yeah like we're hoping bar fights don't break out but we're having genuine conversation over beer so and, and we apologize in advance if it does offend you yeah or if, I, if you get we're not we're not trying to offend anyone on this no podcast, absolutely not but what I do or any of our podcasts for that matter, but yeah. So for those of you who don't know that this is our fourth podcast, we have right. four other podcasts yeah. or we have three other podcasts. Three this other is podcasts. number four, but what, what we are trying to do is we're trying to show that Christendom is bigger than you. Absolutely. Your world and your specific vein of theology is not the only view in the world. Sure. Statistically, it's probably the smallest view. Here in America, excuse me, um, there is a Protestant church almost on every corner. And they're all different. And they're all different. I promise you that is not the truth in the rest of the world. Yeah. That is just, that's not the case. I think that's so important. I mean, I can remember showing up, right? We grew up in, in staunch fundamentalist Baptists. In small town and, America. Yeah, small town America, right? Small town USA. <laughs> and... I remember showing up to my first semester at a true four-year seminary, or not seminary, but an undergraduate four-year four-year biblical studies kind of experience at a university, and I decided it was a good idea to take a class on Revelation. Oh yeah, and I'm um, sure that blew your mind. Yeah, so here I am, and I, I'm like, consider me a first year. Okay, mm. I knew Greek, I'd studied Greek. And I think I'd taken like some intro to Bible class or something, but I'm basically a first year student. Like I'm not like, I'm not all there. I don't have all my theology worked out yet. And excuse me. And beer's making a comeback. That's right. (laughs) And I I show up and the professor walks in and we're in a class on revelation. Right. So everybody's like apocalyptic, like thinking about the end times, like Tim LaHaye and, the Jenkins. last behind yeah, series the left is behind, playing they're, in your head. They're all in your mind. You're, you're thinking about Ray and, and driving the plane, all these people disappearing. <laughs> like, you're, like we're, okay. What and kind just of, clothes being left on the ground. Yeah, like this really weird imagery for what that's going to be like. And uh, I, I walk in and I sit down. And remember, I'm, I'm new to this school, so I transferred in. So I don't know anybody. The professor walks in. It's this crusty old dude <laughs> named Joe Blair. And I love Joe Blair. I hope he's listening. Um, I, I would love to catch up with you. I have no idea what's happening. He retired shortly after this. But um, he shows up and he says, very first question, doesn't even introduce himself. He says, how many of you believe in a rapture? I raise my hand very quickly. <laughs> I look around, there are 20 people in this room. I'm the only one with my hand raised. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, th- I think it's important that this was in a university that was in a, a, a just generally liberal metropolitan area. Um, yeah, that's fair. It's, it's a generally liberal metropolitan area, but the school is significantly conservative. Yes, um, absolutely. Um, and while that's important, we grew up like uber fundamental. Oh dude, staunch. I mean, this we were, would have like beer yeah. would 
basically mean you're going to hell. Yeah, I think so. I mean, beer or we grew up borderline landmarkist. Almost, um, yeah. Which is like the furthest that conservative fundamentalists can go um, to the right. So, yeah. so that all that to say as, as an introduction to this podcast, we're not trying to upset anyone. We are are maybe more I. I don't know where you stand on it, but. I love theology. I love theology. And I want to expose people to theology in a really cool kind of yeah. laid back way. Um and and I'm also going to say some things that are probably provocative. <laughs> and to some extent that's just my personality a little bit. And yeah. So I don't we don't want to offend anyone. No. But we want to set the establishment of the essentials. But we also want some fluidity within the within the the non-essentials. So I'll leave you with this metaphor. Um, I consider theology to be kind of like a lake. Mm. So we have a lake. There's boundaries to the lake, and there's a body of water, right? So the essentials are the boundaries. You don't want to go outside of the lake, right? Because then you're not in water anymore. You're, you're doing something fundamentally different to what we're doing. But then there are lily pads. Right. And as wildlife jumps, as culture changes, as frogs jump, like as things happen, the lily pads move. There's a bunch of different fish in the sea. Yeah. And that there, so there are things that lake. happen within the boundaries of the lake yeah. that are acceptable. Like they're still a part of the lake. Right. What happens is when you jump outside of the water. As long as we're affirming of the essentials, yeah. we're all within the lake, and it's okay to move within the lake. Yeah. And it's okay to express yourself in different ways within the lake, right? Some people, they ski on the lake. Some people swim. Some people go tubing. Some people jet ski, right? It's, it's okay to express yourself differently on the lake, but don't go outside the lake. Essentials are the lake. Anything happens within the lake is all fair all fair game.